the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is produced and distributed through a partnership with AV Nation and Rave Publications. For more information, go to ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 27 for Friday, February 3rd, 2012. Slap fight. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. This is AV Week. AV. AV Week. It's time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audio-visual news and information. I'm your host, Tim Albright. With us this week is Ty Pendleberry. Ty is the Senior Associate Editor at CNET. Hello, sir. G'day. G'day. He's, he's Australian, folks. I had to ask that because I'm an American, you know. And I don't understand the difference between Australian and English, which I'll get hate mail for that one. Neither do I. Neither. <laughs> Good! See, I don't feel bad. Um, <laughs> also with this back, because uh, he, he's a glutton for punishment, is Bradford Ben. Bradford is the applications expert at Harmon. Yep, I'm the only one in the entire company. Not just joking. The, oh. <laughs> That's the way you said it. What? That's what you said your card said. So you're applications yeah. expert at Harmon. So, yeah, uh, you put the the in front of I'm it, sorry, which made the. it. Yeah. Specifically, folks, he he is uh, the crown amp genius at at Harmon. So you deserve a raise. Uh, and also with this uh, this week is Steve Grant Greenblatt. Steve is the president of Control Concepts in New Jersey. Welcome, Steve. Hi, Tim. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, today we're going to wrap up ISC. Uh, for any one of us who didn't go over to Amsterdam, and I'm among, among those, we'll just kind of do a, a wrap-up of what is officially now the world's biggest audiovisual show. Uh, Alan Braun's got a new job, a 3D video wall, because we all love 3D, and my tongue is in my cheek, and also Crestron and the numerous uh, things that they can control, which actually we're going to kick off with that, and that's why Ty is here. Uh, like, like I said, Ty works for CNET. Uh, he is the uh, one of their uh, official um, editors, um, senior uh, editor at, at CNET. And he wrote a, a blog post, a, an article, about why remote controls aren't going to go away anytime soon when it comes to TVs. And, and Ty, I'll bring you in on this because even this week uh, at ISE, Crestron, which is a, a mainstay for the audiovisual industry, um, outside of the industry, they're called automation company. Inside, and I've never understood this, they, they're called a control company. Regardless, it's Crestron, and they control things. Uh, they, de- they demonstrated uh, Connect and the, the way that you can connect, the, not to use the word connect too many times, but you can connect your connect to Crestron and control everything with that. Two weeks ago at Macworld, they show their integration with Siri a lot of people, not just Crestron, but you know, a lot of other people are, are coming out with these apps that you can control your television with. So why don't you think the official you know, remote control that comes in the box with the TV is going away anytime soon? Well, that's it. It's really difficult to use um, any sort of gesture control at the moment. Uh, they did try a couple of years ago with, I think it was Zeus or one of those companies, tried 
incorporating it into a laptop and it came and went very, very quickly. Sort of like 3D came and went in laptops. Um, I spoke to the, I think it was a marketing person at PrimeSense, which is the Israeli company that developed the sensor that goes into Connect, and he reckons that it's going to go into every consumer device. Uh, so it's going to be laptops, uh, pretty much any electronic device in your house could theoretically become a gesture control device. Uh, and that sort of led to me writing that blog and, and why I don't think that's going to happen because essentially it's not a great interface. It's good for, you know, six-foot interfaces, but if you're next to the gadget, you'd rather touch it than try to wave at it. Hmm. That's interesting. Do you think they're bullish on it because of their company or because – and they've drank, they've, they've, you know, they've drank the Kool-Aid or do, is, is, is it the, the fact that they know something that we don't maybe – I don't know. I, I don't know what you, you gentlemen think, but uh, I would rather a touch device first. Um, voice uh, control is probably the next evolution of that, and I sort of see gesture control having some use, but voice control being a lot more useful than that. And I think, yeah, there is a bit of Kool-Aid happening there. Of course, they were there as not as a sorry, as a consumer company, but as a commercial entity. So they were there to sell their technology to, I guess, other uh, attendees at CES. So basically, it's it's voice for, from from your perspective, and, and correct me if I'm if I'm mislabeling this, but your your view it's it's voice first, and then almost as a um, a supplement to that, then gesture. Yeah, I I don't know how they'll get around the whole uh, noise cancellation thing. If you're going to build microphones into a TV, of course, if you've got your system cranking how are they going to determine whether you're speaking or whether it's coming out of your speakers that's going to be <laughs> yeah. quite a tough thing i mean lg is getting around this by putting the microphone into the remote control so that's an interesting way to do it but uh it, that's going to be a tough nut to crack i think so well we're, actually we're, go sorry ahead. go ahead Brad. i was to say that's actually from the pro side should be relatively easy that's just uh a c automatic echo cancellation for video conferencing systems because we did, you know, there are systems in place that deal with, with that all the time on the voice control. I, th I think the bigger problem, and uh, and uh, on both the voice control and the gesture control, is the family sitting at the couch, and all trying to control the TV at the same time. You know, I can see a slap fight breaking out with all the gestures going on. <laughs> And that, to me, is, is why I think the, the biggest hurdle is who's controlling it. And that, I think, is, is what's going to help. Because right now, you know, if you have the remote, you have the power. Yeah. Well, and, and maybe some of that is, and I, I was going to make a joke about, you know, the last thing you want is a Siri commercial coming on and changing the channel on your TV. Because that's kind of the, been the, the rumor with, with the whole Apple TV thing is that would be what's built into it. But you're right, Bradford. Is is the last thing you want to see is is a bunch of you know people wrestling around to stop each other. Basically, you know, putting your hand over <laughs> over each other's mouth or, or tying their hands down so they can't change the channel. So, well, that was one of the big things at CES is that there were people walking around behind you. If you live in a in a household with a couple of people in the house and they just walk in front of the screen, you you basically have to reset and wave mm -hmm. at the screen again. And even with no one else moving, it was it kept resetting itself, and the the gestures themselves were quite slow and deliberate. And it was, it's going to take a lot of finessing to actually get it to a point where it's usable and user friendly. Do you think that's just the nature of Connect in general, and it's just going to evolve 
as we get used to it and it gets used to us maybe? Well, you know, think about an iPhone. That's quite intuitive. Anyone can pretty much pick it up and go, okay, I, I touched this and this is how I get it to work. It's, it's pretty much ready to go straight away. Whereas the Connect system and, and the PrimeSense system that I played with, they actually had to teach you how to use gestures. So it wasn't a, a matter of grabbing and, and, and sort of waving to and through menus. There were specific gestures you needed to use, and that was not intuitive. Hmm. To, and it, it sounds funny as I, I agree with Ty on the training thing because as I'm sitting here at my Mac with my magic mouse and my magic trackpad, I still have the box that the magic trackpad came in because it has what all the gestures do because I can't remember. And, you know, that's half the reason to get it is so you can gesture control through things, but it's just too much to remember sometimes. Are these gestures context-based also, or is it something that's universal, depending not not depending on what you're watching or what's on the screen? Yeah, there was this really strange sort of pinch gesture that meant you were selecting that particular item, but um, you wouldn't know unless they told you that's how you did it. But I guess that could be a, a matter of any new interface and in that you have to learn how to use it. So, But it was very slow and very de- deliberate. The, the sensor wasn't that fine that it was able to pick up your gestures you had to be very slow about it um that will improve obviously connect 2 is going to come next year with the or this year supposedly with the xbox 720 or whatever they call it so <laughs> yeah. um they're going to increase the sensitivity of the sensor but i don't think you know with all of these tvs coming this year with uh samsung um lg's supposedly going to have some sort of gestures in, in the next 12 months uh it's really at the starting blocks and i think as with 3D, it, it's a bit too new and that people are going to try it once and then put it back. Hmm. Well, that's a good, that's a very good point. Well, let's, let's end on that. Uh, Ty Pendleberry, thank you much for your time. He is the senior associate editor at CNET. We, we bugged him on his, on his lunch break and he gave us, uh, he was gracious enough, uh, enough to give us some time. So thank you much, sir. Great. Thank you very much for your time, Tim. Thanks, Ty. Okay. All bye. Right. All right, that was Ty Pendleberry from, from CNET. Uh, with us still is Bradford Ben. Uh, he is from the Harmon Group and uh, Steve Greenblatt um, from, uh, from New Jersey. Um, the next thing we're going to do, guys, is kind of go over ISE just out of mere curiosity. Did either of you go? No, I didn't. <laughs> Bradford, My company went, and I, got, nice. and I got left home. And you got left home. Well, of course you did. Um, so we uh, we talked with um, the uh, the guys at Rave this week, and I'll, I'll go over that towards the end of the show, um, kind of what we're doing with them. But they have a, a a page that has everything ISE. They shot a bunch of videos, interviewed a bunch of people. If you're if you're interested in, in kind of a good synopsis and a, and a good kind of a deposit a depository for everything, go to uh, Rave Pubs ISC. Uh, I'm sorry, Rave yeah Rave Pubs ISC dot uh, com. And uh, that there you can check out um, all of their you know blogs and their pictures and everything. Um, I'm sorry, ravenowise.com, ravenowise.com. Um, and so a couple of things that they that they had on there. We were talking with Gary Kay earlier this week. One is two bathroom things, and I don't want to get too much into this, but there was two bathroom items. Let's just say one is, and we'll start with this one. It is a digital signage journal. It's 
filter, I said a digital signage journal. So, and how is that any different than the ESPN zone where there's a TV above every urinal? Well, here's the difference, though. It's built into the urinal. <laughs> That's how it's different. Oh, see, now the whole gesture connect. Oh, no, don't. Video. We're going to get censored <laughs> now. You're going to kill me. <laughs> so, oh, boy. Okay, so if you're looking at this sucker, it's it's a nice-looking urinal. I mean, it really is. It's um, probably one of the nicest-looking nicest urinals I think I've ever seen. Um, but as you're looking down, doing your business uh, in the urinal, there is a, a screen there that would, I guess, ostensibly display, um, you know, DOOH stuff, you know, whatever... Um, I, I don't. I thought it was cool. One one application I thought in this in very very first time I saw this was um, the new stadium that they just opened up in the Meadowlands, and something like this where you've got a mass of people just moving through, um, and, and you have to, you know, it's an opportunity to speak to a large number of people. Um, is this a is this a product looking for a solution, or is this a solution to a product to a, to a problem, Steve? Well, I, I I think it could be interesting. I I don't know if you want people spending any more time at the urinal than than, than they, they need do. to, but <laughs> especially at a sporting event. But oh, yeah. I, it, it, I I think it, it could be great for advertising, of course. There, right. Good. I mean, you, you certainly have somebody's attention at that time. Well, yes, you do. You know, and it's a couple of years ago. Somebody came out with, with these, uh, with putting you know flat panels, like like Bradford said, at the ESPN zone, you know, above above the urinals, and you also have some sort of displays um, inside, um, the stalls in in in, in restrooms. So, I, I don't know. I, I think I I mean I think it's a cool idea. I just wonder if maybe this is one place where we don't want a screen. I, I also just think from a certain amount, and I'm going to try to phrase this as delicately as possible. Please do. If, if, if I was doing – if I was trying to sell that advertising, how is it an upsell for me to go to the potential buyer of that placement and say, yours will be the target of many men? And it's not in the urinal. It's on top of the urinal. Sorry, I didn't see the picture. Oh, jeez. Well, you should have explained that earlier. I'm sorry. Yes, it's it's on the top. It's not. Can the... we redo this section? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's on top of the urinal. On physically, I'll oh, forget it. You know what? The next thing that they talked about uh, was this super this super cool bathroom. It's called the tub of the future, and it's basically you've got this giant bathtub. That has a display at each end. Um, it's got iPod and iPad control uh, that controls it. Now the only problem is it's ninety. No, I'm sorry, not ninety thousand. It's nine thousand nine hundred dollars. So I mean, some of this stuff is is kind of. Oh, one other thing they had was from a company called Flat Frog, which they did what a couple other people did, was doing was which was multi touch uh, display on. Um, using the, uh, the the surface stuff, so now Samsung has a version of this. This company called Flat Frog has a company uh, has a version of this. A number of different people are coming out with this multi-touch stuff using Surface. Um, Bradford, I remember a couple years ago watching you know 
Bill Gates demonstrate surface, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? That's something I will never see out in the wild. And now it appears to me that we are eventually. I mean, it, as I say, it looks similar. I would agree with you on the surface, and yes, I'm making sure to look at the picture. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but and I, I actually do see this as being a successful product. I I do think a lot of people in the higher end tax brackets would want this. You know, I've been in hotels that have this same type of feature, but just not as polished. Uh, so I do think it's this is actually a solution for a, an unknown problem. Well. Let me- uh, let me ask you one question, though. I'll say, say, let's say that this is just the beginning. Let's say that this is the plasma in early the early nineties. Could you see, you know, a a case where it eventually gets down into my price range? Oh, definitely. I it it sounds funny, uh, but you know, I wonder how many people have brought electronic reading material into the restroom and is that any different than this or putting the ipad in a ziploc bag and reading in in the bathtub you know this is just a cleaner better way to do it you know there's already ip controlled thermostats that you can control you know remotely so to me this is just the natural evolution and i think a lot of the price just from what i'm seeing on the picture is the style of it not necessarily the actual technology costs. Mm. Mm, you know, sad. the champagne chiller, I think, might be a little bit out of the oh, price geez. range, but as soon as you start adding that, that's where it starts to, you know, you can kind of tell it's in a, it's in a luxury price range, not a utilitarian price that, range. That, that, yeah, that's where you leave. That's where you lose me. So. so, so the question is, are they using these gadgets to to be able to sell something at a higher price? Or are they, or is it somehow enhancing? Can you put uh, an iPad in a normal tub, you know, or yeah. do you have to? <laughs> so, so I guess that's that's the question. The the uh, the the technology and the gadgets are what's really one of the enhancements of the product. I guess from their perspective, it's what's what's causing them to be able to 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 charge more, or is it that it's a, a really great tub? Yeah. And I think a lot of it is it's a great tub, you know, incredibly fast fill, invisible drain. You know, it's it's kind of the utilitarian versus nicer. Yeah. So, so it's like the icing on the cake then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, let me ask you guys a bigger question about ISE in general. And, and I'm learning. I, I, I'm not by any stretch of the imagination an expert when it comes to, to trade shows and stuff. So ISE has been around for eight, ten years, right? Um this year, they surpassed Infocom when it comes to attendance. Uh, they had, I think the official uh, numbers was about 40,000 some odd. I, I don't remember the actual, but it was the, the, the base was, was 40,000. Last year in, in Orlando, Infocom was a little over 30,000. I think that was actually 32 something. Uh, Cedia this year was 18, 19,000, somewhere in there. So officially, ISC has become the biggest AV show in the world. Is this because, you know, Infocom and Cedia is all about the U.S. and U.S. consumers and U.S. end users, and ISC is about everybody else? Or is it simply the fact that this 
show um, is just that much bigger because you know it's you know has everybody with the exception of us. Well, just for a little clarification, I I would say it's the biggest install show because you look at a show like Music Messa in Germany that's more of a of the overall music industry and audio industry. You know, that's five days, and I don't know the thousands of people. I'd be willing to bet that's probably on par, if not bigger, than than ISC. But I think part of it is just plain density of people, as well as the fact that it's this is becoming a bigger part of the industry. You know, there's if you're trying to get everyone in the U.S. to go to Infocom, yeah, you'll get a pretty good chunk. But to hop over the you know, do a 10-hour plane flight to get to <laughs> yeah. Orlando where I can just wait three months or nine months and do see it on the European continent. I think there's a lot of that, of putting the data where, where people is. Because we also have Infocom in in the Far East. You mm-hmm. know, they're, yes. they're starting to branch out the shows. So I don't think it's so much it's the biggest show. I think it's the biggest show. But if you look at it to how many people are in, within, you know, selected distance i think it's on ratio with a bunch of the other shows steve is this something that this is where the guys where your counterparts over in in europe they go there you go to vegas or is this something that you need to go to to you know further your education your contacts and stuff it's a good question right right now it's for for me just starting to show up on the radar um but i can imagine the draw being that it it you know, it's drawing from all the European countries. Plus, people are coming over from the U.S. Um, I, I personally, I'm involved in doing some speaking and and doing a lot more at Infocom when it's in the U.S. Uh, I didn't see those types of opportunities, but per- perhaps they're going to be there, and and maybe that will draw more of us to to go over and and uh, participate. Good thing. I'm going next year just because I want to go to Amsterdam. I have no official good reason to go. Oh, yeah. That's a great draw too, right? Yeah. I was like, yeah. I was. Um, we were talking. How many? T- go ahead. How many times can you go to Las Vegas and Orlando? Oh yes. I mean, <laughs> come like, on. Like I said, I'm disappointed they left me home. Dan, my counterpart from Crown, got to go, and I'm I'm home. How but we that? also. How did that happen? Did you lose a bet, or did you guys play? You know, rock paper scissors. Uh, has to do with what other shows I've been to and what my travel schedule looks like versus what his travel schedule looks like. I uh, am traveling the next two weeks and just came back from three weeks of traveling. So being home for a week or two was nice. Oh, I guess, yeah. yeah but I still would have liked product? to go because it's Amsterdam. Yeah. <laughs> how, how many, what do you think the percentage of new products that get shown at a show like this versus Infocom are? I don't know because there was quite a few. I mean, there was one. Okay, so so back to, to Flat Frog and the multi-touch displays. Uh, Flat Frog is not selling this in the U.S. at all, and I found that fascinating because, again, I I'm a dumb American. You know, I'm we we are so egocentric and so ethnocentric when it comes to to being Americans. Uh, I, I just found it fascinating that, that they have no immediate plans to market this sucker in the U.S. Now, they're going to market all over Europe, but it's, it's not something where, you know, they're not going to be in Vegas this year because they have no point to be in Vegas. So hmm. I think there were quite a few things like that where it was 
Euro Central or Europe and Africa Central where, you know, this is something that we have ready or, you know, somewhat ready. And let's let's be honest here. There's a lot of stuff that's shown at, at, at trade shows that is just vaporware. You know, you see it on the floor. You'll never see it in an application. It'll never ship. But there's going to be some things like at ISE that you'll never see inside the borders of the U.S. And I, I think that's fascinating as an industry that we've gotten to the evolutionary point where this can happen. Hmm. And I guess to, to me, I, I agree that it's, it's, it's uh, market-centric uh, because there are products that are different between the U.S. and the rest of the world. You know, just look at voltages and things like that. Just And some of the the safety ratings and the the fire protection codes and things like that that are not always thought of but from a manufacturer standpoint you think about them as you're designing a product and you have to decide is it worth the money to make this product shippable to the US or shippable to Japan or shippable to wherever and I think having the local trade shows is actually helping that because now you can show the right product in the right market and avoid some of the confusion. I, and I do think there are things such as our new iTech HD4 that, that we launched at NAM. We're going to definitely show it over at ISE. It's one of those, you do a new product, you show it every place you can. But it also allows you to show specifically to the market that you want it to. Because there are some things that you know won't be available in the U.S. and might only be available in China. And you only show that in China to avoid the, the conflicts. Now let me ask a question mm-hmm. about to, bo- to both of you because... This is something that that I've been thinking about and pondering about for a while. What shows do you go to? I mean, Bradford, you're a little bit different than than Steve and I because you you work for a manufacturer, so, so there are sometimes you don't get a choice in the matter, you know. Um, but as let's say integrators and end users, what show do you go to? I mean, you mentioned Nam. Nam is a, is still a pretty good show. I mean, I have a buddy of mine who's who's an integrator. He's a he's a small sound contractor, you know, ultimately, and he's been going to NAM for 20, 25 years. So which ones do you have to go to? I mean, ISE is fun because it's in, in Amsterdam, but I think we've kind of, uh, we've kind of hashed it out to where as end users and, and integrators in America, unless you have a partner uh, over there, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for you. But inside the borders of the U.S., there are an awful lot of shows that you have your, your, your pick from. I think it depends on what you want to get out of it. Are you going there for the education? Are you going there to see the products? Are you going there to to network? Because a lot of what we do, we're an independent programming company. We we go there to, of course, see the products and see what our customers are seeing, but more so to spend time with our customers and and to get that face time. And a lot of times, even the local trade shows are more valuable or just as valuable as the the larger trade shows because you you really are, are looking at your target market, and we we try to stay in, in somewhat of a regional target market. And mm-hmm. if we go to a show in, in New York City, we're going to see all, all like I would say, 75% of the people there are people that we know. And, and that's always a valuable thing. And plus, also, you get a, a lot more personalized attention from the manufacturers. You, you could get to know them a little bit more and ask, ask some of those questions that maybe you couldn't ask at a big show. Mm, that makes sense. And also, I think the local regional shows are starting to pick up a little bit more. Uh, just from what I'm seeing from all the shows I'm getting to go to is because someone will drive four hours or, you know, have it 
be a one day trip to go see a to go to a show. Whereas, you know, for us going to Amsterdam, that's a couple days for to go from California to Orlando. You know, you're losing a day each way in transit for most people. So I think that the that is causing a lot more of the local shows to take off. Okay, yeah, cool. and I, I think that also depends on the the people who are attending, I guess, the positions that are attending in the larger shows may be more management and sales, whereas you, you may have more of the hands-on people going to the local shows because, like, like you said, hop in a car and go over there, even if it's just for a couple hours. Yeah, as opposed to jumping on a plane and, and heading out. I mean, this past year, I mean, we, I, I live in, in, in the St. Louis area, let's just say, you know, Midwest, and... There aren't a lot of those local shows. I mean, Steve, you're in, in Jersey, so New York makes sense for you. There are some mm-hmm. guys who are in Southern California, so there's some L.A. and San Francisco and San Diego shows. Uh, but this past year, I, I thought it was cool because uh, Almo and Infocom and Rave and a couple other people got together, and they did some traveling shows. They were one days, one-offs, uh, maybe sometimes two days, where you could drive, like you're saying. I mean, the, the one that was closest to me was in Chicago, and Chicago is not exactly in my backyard. But it's it's four or five hours. It depends on how fast you speed, you know, up fifty five, and and you're in you're in Chicago. And so I think you guys are right. Where you you do the ones that make the make the most sense for you, and is the biggest bang for your buck, um, because you know the economy is what it is, and and you know you're trying to look and and save money. And some of these those those Almo Infocom rave shows made a whole lot of sense for people who maybe didn't have the the resources to send everybody to Orlando last year. For Infocom or to Indianapolis at uh, at Cedia, but you know what? You could take a day off of from being in the field and you know head over to you know New York or Chicago or wherever the the local show was, and you know network and, and get some and get some education and get some other information. So I thought it was cool. All right, uh, you're listening to to AV Week. Bradford Ben is here from Harmon. Steve Greenblatt, Greenblatt from Control Concepts. Uh, real quickly, Alan Braun, who is an industry veteran, uh, has been a, has been elected to the DSF chairmanship. Now, DSF is the Digital Signage uh, Federation, and, and Braun said, "My focus as DSF chairman for 2012 will be to expand our membership, add to the number of DSF college chapters." and to lead to the drive to establish national education standards for the digital signage industry. Uh, Steve, is this a big deal and not so big deal? I mentioned it because not because Alan is um, this new chairman, but because we've had a lot of shakeups in industry leadership in the last two months. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm I'm not as familiar with, with the digital signage markets, but uh, it, certainly the the intent set seems to be there, and and uh, you know I, I think that that education and outreach is always uh, very valuable, and uh, you know coming from that perspective, and I know Alan's also has some involvement with Infocom, so maybe yeah. there'll be a bridge there as well. That would be cool. Bradford, is this is this a – and I'm, again, I mentioned it because it, there's been a whole lot of people who are retiring or just not in their same position. Is this just kind of all kind of coincidence or is this something weird going on? I think it's all kind of the fact this news is easier to distribute and I think it's just coincidence. I think, you know, there were probably turnovers 20 years ago and we just didn't realize it because there wasn't the internet. Yeah, that makes sense. But I do think it's a it's a good thing overall because if you look at the people who are 
on the DSF, you know, I was looking through it going, yeah, these are these are people who do signage. And I think having a, a consortium that helps establish standards and the training and how to use it and builds the market for everyone, I think, is a good idea. Real quickly, uh, Alan actually is the... Uh is is a former instructor at my alma mater SIUE uh, Southern Illinois University at Edwardsville so I just find that funny nobody else does because most people don't know what SIUE is so uh, you're listening to AV Week uh, we're going to step away for a second and take a uh, gander at the AV Week job of the week so you guys can you know get a drink of water or do whatever you'd like to do so uh, the AV Week job of the week is something I came up with just because I'm a nice guy and I think you know telling people about jobs is really cool uh, especially if you don't have one or if you do and you don't like yours uh go to ravepubs.com forward slash av jobs ravepubs.com forward slash forward slash av jobs that's where you will find an entire list of jobs for the av industry this week's job is comes to us from crestron um and not the one in jersey or chicago but this comes out of the seattle office uh you're going to be doing uh, such things as supporting the dealer and partner network uh, on the phone and site visits mocking up customer uh systems trying to reproduce um issues and stuff like that assist developing uh developing in, in, with engineering uh developing new macros and, and modules and, and stuff like that and uh, providing feedback to the engineering department. Uh, you, they ask that you have a CTS um, or willing to get one. Uh, you have a DMCE, which is their their uh, digital media stuff, or willing to get one. And they also ask that you have a bachelor's of science in computers, networking, or electrical engineering. That's something that they ask you to have. It's not necessarily. Um, it's strongly encouraged. How about that? Uh, for more information, you can you can go to crestron.com. Um, forward slash careers or just go to ravepubs.com forward slash av jobs that's the av week job of the week and back with us is steve greenblatt steve is the president el presidente of control concepts in new jersey and also bradford ben is not only a applications expert at Harmon, but he makes a darn nice uh fruit salad jello Oh, <laughs> I didn't get to taste it, but it looked pretty. Um, Bradford was on a couple of weeks ago, or a month ago or so, and uh, the title of the show was Fruit Salad Jello, and then he made one <laughs> and then posted it on Twitter. So it was very funny. Uh, I still have the link around, so maybe we should post it to this maybe show. Maybe we should post it to this show, yeah. So, um, all right, guys, uh, here's, uh, here's one that comes from us, from our buddies over at. Uh, at um, um, at uh, at rave pubs um christy has announced it's called con- their it's it's their jumpstart content management system and basically it's their version and it's it's if you don't know who christy is or what one of their big thing is that this content management system i'm i'm from what i'm reading is really for um for their for their 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 uh, their cubes um this is something that um they have introduced. It has multi-window capabilities. It's, it's it integrates with with the cubes, which is what they call their micro tiles. Um, and it's really it, it to me. It's it's kind of cool because the the picture they have, and I'll, I'll post it on on the show notes here. It's kind of like it's a multi-screen display put on top of of the micro tiles. Does that make sense? 
and you've got things like weather and sports and entertainment news and all this other stuff, plus a bunch of other different different video stuff. Um, Bradford, is this something from a manufacturer standpoint that you kind of have to do if you have something as unique as the micro tile instead of letting some like letting a third party do it either poorly or do it and then get the money that you might have might have should have gotten? I think this is something that with any technology, not just the cool micro tile, but also with amplifier control systems and video conferencing systems and all these these other dang newfangled computerized systems you need as the manufacturer to create your interface to make it usable for your customer this is one of those times where the software will will sell the hardware if it's hard to control and provide content and configure the soft the the vendor's going to go i can go look someplace else for a whole package that's easier or i can hire an outside company to do it and i think that this is is the right solution in this t- type of approach of you know here everything you need just add content with on this usb thumb drive i think is actually a very good good idea and i i applaud them for doing it. i think it's it's uh, going to go well for them. I also think the video wall they have there in the picture, I, I want one in my living room now. <laughs> so, so do I, but, I mean, you're looking at four grand a, a pop for one of those for one of those tiles, so. I'm just wondering if I could do individual gesture control for each tile. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> uh, so, but let me ask you this, though. I mean, as a manufacturer, are you not closing off? Creating a closed garden, and that's something that, that people accuse Apple of doing a lot. Are you not creating a, a closed garden when you do something like this? Well, there's kind of two ways to go about it. There's the closed garden like Apple did of it's all got to go through us. Or you can go the way many manufacturers go, which is here's our software. You know, Harman does this. Here's our software. Here's It's all configured and done. Oh, if you want to be tweaky and make your own interface here's how here's the command protocol and you can go off and make your own interface so i think it makes a lot of sense to provide the whole solution because to me the the software and hardware become one product they're not two separate pieces anymore so i think it makes sense to to not to do a gated garden for lack of a better phrase Mm. of here it is we're going to give you a solution, but if you want to tweak and do some adjustments, here's some customization options. Steve, does this make it easier or harder to sell, um, do you think, to the end user um, a system like this? Because like I said, this is not a cheap system. I mean, it's The list price is four grand per tile. So, <laughs> I mean, this is – and it's, it's nice. It's sexy. Don't get me wrong. I, I would love to have – I would love to have one in, in multiple different uh, installations that I can think of off the top of my head. But c- keeping this all in-house, like like, like Brad was, was saying, does, do you think that makes it easier or harder to sell the entire solution? I would say much easier, actually. I, I, it, you're, you're, putting, you're selling a package rather than an individual product that you need to now integrate with with other things you're, you're selling it's it's uh it's a multifaceted product at this point and and it it fulfills a need 
rather than just having a, a display and now having to worry about what is it that you're going to do with it. And, and the other thing is talking about any put, putting any boundaries around it. Nothing says that you can't add more content or, or integrate it with other pieces that may, you may prefer to. They're just giving you this they're, – they're adding more features to, to their microtile solution. And actually, Steve said something that made me think about this is the content itself. Someone still needs to provide that. And I think there's still an arm or an opportunity for a content provider to get in there separate. And I just think it's a different chain because you're still going to need to put in new videos or new data sources or, or anything like that. Because if they just install it and it stays that way forever, it's the same as it currently is. Yeah. It's it's more of a custom solution now. It's that that can't be is commoditized. Hmm. Very good. All right. Uh, next up is Clear One, and they have purchased Vcon. It, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but isn't Clear One like an audio company? They have been. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so I, I don't. This is the way my brain works. So I apologize for a second. So you've got. Um, a couple of years ago, Cisco purchased uh, Tanberg, right? And now you have Clear One buying this company, Vcon. Is is video conferencing really going to become that big, <laughs> where everybody has got to get in on it, or are we at on the downward slope of maybe video conferencing with the proliferation of Skype? And things of that nature. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about something called uh, Biscotti, which is a, it's a basically it's a video conferencing device that you slap on your TV and it has HDMI pass through. So basically, you're watching TV and up pops a video conference thing, and you can either choose to accept or, or reject it. Um, the way I see this, I, I don't see video conferencing having that big of a boom where Clear One, you know, says, "Hey, by the way, we need to get into this." I think we're seeing more and more that the fact that Skype and the, these other applications are, are making video conferencing or the concept of video conferencing more attainable and 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 something that people are identifying with and and perhaps here they're they're looking at trying to provide an alternative to to what the big guys are providing and I, I know that I've seen with some other companies as well a lot of them are providing software solutions I, I I'm, not, I'm not sure if this if uh, all the details of, of the Vcon product, but it, it sounds to me like that that's the area that they're pushing in. And the other, the other thing too is now they're they're also more in the, in the network environment. Products were necessarily sitting on a a, a LAN or or the internet. Yeah, and I'd I'd say I I do think. As you said, Skype and some of these other things are making more awareness. So when people are putting in a conferencing system, they're going, yes, I need video on this. So I think it makes a lot of sense. Whereas 10 years ago it was, I need a good multi-person phone system, you know, phone conference, audio conference. Like I can video at my desk. Why can't I video in the conference room? So I, I think it's a natural progression. I think it's kind of the move between a individual to a uh, group uh, environment because if I'm sitting at my desk 
a video camera, you know, on the top of the monitor and just conferencing with with you, Tim, it's going to work great. But if I'm doing 10 people in a room that are presenting to five people in another room, you need something a little better, a little higher quality, a little more robust, and then say it's, you know, a true meeting, like a all-employee meeting, the ability to be able to, to put up a PowerPoint or to record it for the employees who are out sick for or whatever that day, I think is, is starting to, to see more applications of it and more acceptance of it. Or even more than that is when you start getting into multiple endpoints. So let's say that you have five different offices around the country and go back to Bradford's example where it's, you know, you know, you have to have five different um, people coming in. Well, I don't think Skype can do that with video unless you have a, a premium subscription. So, yeah, maybe 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 I'm, I'm, I was short-sighted on that where, yeah, video conferencing is still going to have some growth and, and clear one is just trying to trying to get in with it. So. Very cool. All right. Uh, up next is I'm going to butcher this name. I apologize. I believe it's Azion or Az One or I went with Azion after watching the video. Azion, Azion. It's a French. No, um, it's a, it's a new um, consortium. Uh, this comes to us from our, our, our buddies over at CE Pro. Uh, it's a new buying group actually for uh, custom retailers. So so the Resi guys and stuff. Uh, and integrators, and they have their first 23 brands. Uh, basically, it's it's you know if you don't know what what kind of a buying group is, it's, it's it, is it a distributor? Is that a best way to put it, guys? I mean, it's I'm not an integrator, so I'm I'm at your guys's mercy here. Um, my understanding of this is it's this is similar to a distributorship or a distributor group. Is that right or no? And I kind of got the feeling that that what they're doing is is getting getting other companies together so that they can probably get better pricing, better service, more, more uh, a leg up on on their competition. But uh, maybe I'm off base there. And I'm, I guess the what my understanding, and let me just say because they have a bunch of Harmon brands, I've had nothing to do with it. That's a different division of Harmon. <laughs> You know, so just make sure we're all clear that my understanding of these buying groups, and this is secondhand, like I said, not from these guys, is that you pay a membership to be part of it, and then you get that reduced price, and you order your products, and you can have things such as what, you know, there might be requirements such as a volume of X dollars a year that you're going to do as a dealer that's part of that buying group. Whereas with the distributor, they're just going in and putting a markup on every product that they're reselling. And so it's slightly different that way. So is this a, this is, um, this is so crude. Is this a Costco basically then? No, this is more like strategic partnerships. Well, the reason I I mentioned that because there's a membership, Mm -hmm. um, you have to buy so many and you get a bulk discount. Well, no, but you, to be a Costco member, yes, you have to pay a membership, but you don't have to spend, and from my understanding, you know, $30,000, okay. $40,000 a year. You just have to go in and, pay your membership. and buy stuff. Okay, yeah. I got you. Where, and distributors are, you know, I'm not saying all they do is mark up the price, but their cost of doing business with them is included in the price. But typically, you don't have to go say, I'm going to spend $1,000 with you to be a distributor and be like, okay, you want to buy this cable? Let's make sure it's the right cable. Let's make sure it's going to do what you want. Yep, that'll be $25. And you might not 
talk to them again for, you know, 10 months, 11 months, next year altogether, and there's no problem with that. Yeah. And this sounds a little bit more exclusive, too. I don't think anybody could just join. They probably are really selecting who, who's going to be a part of it. You don't think they'd let me in? <laughs> no, of course they, you know. All right. That's Steve Greenblatt. He's a really cool guy from Jersey. Um, more specifically, he is El Presidente at uh, Control Concepts. The other one over there is, uh, is Bradford Ben from Harmon. Uh, we've talked about this show on this show more than once, how much I absolutely abhor 3D. Uh, Bradford is in is is on my side with this. Steve, how do you feel about 3D just in general before we head off to this this uh, this story? Well, I, I've been listening a lot to to your guys' commentary in the past, and I, I have to say I do I, I can't disagree. <laughs> I, I mean, maybe it has its place in certain for for fun or maybe for uh, certain applications, but but in general, I, I don't don't believe it's. Uh, Really, the the product that it's made that that it's touted to be. It's not the salve for every wound of the AV industry. In other words, that's me <laughs> saying that, Steve. Not Steve. All right, so we we go into this, and and I don't I don't much care for it. It's it. Yes, it's it's neat, and and when it works, it works cool. But I don't see it. You know, I don't want to see you know Katie Couric on the nightly news in three D. Um, LG had a one hundred sixty five inch three D video wall. Bradford, did we need this? No. Then why did they do it? And I like LG. I like LG as a programmer, and, and I do some programming on the side. I love LG and programming LG displays. I love their displays. I just have no idea why on earth they felt the need to put up a 165-inch 3D video wall. Well, okay, so this is where it starts to become... Part of it is you need to show the technology on the show floor. So 155-inch... Sorry, 165 inch. Yeah, don't pretty don't, good hey, start. Don't, don't knock off their 10 inches. You know, it's 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 going to grab your attention as you're walking the show floor. Now, could I see this at a as an attraction where instead of being 165 inches, it's 165 feet, and you have an audience of 40 people and because or 400 people, and because you have multiple cubes, you get better view angles. And these are all hypotheticals. I'm not saying this is the way it works. Yeah, I could definitely see that being a solution for some for some applications. Uh, the typical. Put it in your house. Put it in a, a network operation center. I don't see 3D for that. Seeing it as a special event, going to the movies, going to a theme park, going to a you know an entertainment va- venue of that, I can see the the use for it. Steve, one one thing that that um, Gary K from from uh, Rave was impressed with was Sony's. Uh, no glasses required. It, it's called auto stereoscopic um, 3D for digital signage. Is this sucker something like this massive? Uh, that's also 3D. Is that a good application for it, the digital signage market, or is it you know like Bradford was saying, more special event, uh, theme parks, um, you know, uh, live staging, um, museums, and, and things of that nature. Well, I would say if you don't have to wear the glasses, it, it certainly becomes a little bit more uh, useful because uh, you just can't, I just can't see people walking around in a public place wearing these glasses and, and 
I, you know, especially for something that big. I mean, if you're seated, it's one thing, but uh, I, I, I could see. I could see it being uh, interesting to kids, maybe, or or maybe for 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 a special event or or a, you know, but but not something that is there day in and day out. I, I I actually could see a lot of people being distracted by it. Yeah, and just for clarification, this one was not auto stereoscopic. Um, the the LG one, so that means you have to walk around with glasses, which is lovely. So. <laughs> Um, you know, active or passive, just 3D glasses are awesome. I will say this, um, you know, the the one thing about, about 3D is, you know, if you're sitting down, like Steve said, yes, it's great. And yes, when it works, it's good. But for the vast majority of applications that people put in, um, it's kind of silly. So uh, this is AV Week. One last uh, story, guys, and this is about life size. And uh, maybe we should have done this when we talked about Clear One, but I like separating it. Uh, they are a division of of Logitech, so um, just like you know, Cisco got into it, you know. But they rename. They, they, that's one thing. Cisco gets into into video conferencing, and they rename Tamburg. Logitech gets into co- video conferencing, <clears throat> and they let LifeSize keep their name. I don't know. Um, so they have released something um, called the UVC platform. Um. And, and Bradford, we'll start with you just because you're a manufacturer and maybe you understand some of the corporate stuff here. Um, basically, it's the UVC stands for Universal Video Collaboration. Okay. And from what I'm gathering from the press release and everything, basically, it, it's kind of it, it's more software based and it's more, you know, you don't. You, you can do the best way to put this is you can do with life size kind of what you, you can bypass uh the hardware or the codex see i i didn't quite read it that way and i'm not 100 percent familiar with them but just because it says you can do the virtual machine software or you can do their hardware appliance so yes and maybe that's why i, I read into that the virtual part and to me that's still you need a specific Yes, it's software-based, but I'm pretty sure that they're just saying you can buy your own computer instead of buying ours. Okay. That's at least the way I read it. And so is this them kind of going direct to the end user? I think this is their Yumi. Oh! Dude, did you have to say that? Sorry, you asked. If you don't know what Yumi is and you'll never see it again because Cisco killed it, uh, Yumi was, was Cisco's short-lived... Uh, personal um, appliance that allowed you to do video conferencing in your home. And you think this is their Yumi? Well, just because, like we were talking about in the in with the Clear One acquisition, you know, video conferencing is becoming more and more, but $4,000 for, for this, just for the platform, is their MSRP, and it doesn't say it includes any of the other hardware. Yeah. From what I can read... I'd I'd be much more likely to to purchase you know to be looking at at a at the Clear One uh, Vcon system because of the fact it does a, a the the complete system whereas this to me seems like it's a part of the system and I can do Skype I can I can do other things I can do FaceTime without spending four thousand know, dollars four thousand dollars <laughs> now having said that I'm not an expert in all the little features it does well, yeah I mean. 
but you know, looking, I looked at their website and I looked at at a few of the things, and I'm like, this is it's a good solution, and, and it works on PC, Mac, Android, you know, all that stuff. But it's a software solution that is already out there. Steve, and this is this is a question for for the, the integrator there and, and the program guy that you are. Is this something where I don't know if it's a fear or not, but should it be a fear of guys like you and, and, and guys like my buddy Michael who are integrators that one day Crestron can wake up and say, eh, we're going to go into, into Best Buy and sell direct to end users? Uh, well, I, I, I can't see that being the case. I, I, I feel like what we bring to the table more and more are that we're the service providers and we're, we're the ones that make everything work and we're, we're the ones that provide the customization. And I think even Best Buy, I, I recently saw a program on Best Buy on, I think it was CNBC, where they talked about how they their leap was when they brought on the Geek Squad and they were providing service and customization and, and now they moved on to doing more uh, home theaters and so forth and, and I think, think that that's, that's what our industry represents is, is, is providing the solutions um, and, and just a, a comment on, on this product yeah. I, mm-hmm. way, the way I read into it was that they, it looked like they were trying to appeal more to, to people in IT I think I, uh, I think okay. that but but I, again, I, it's a little bit um, unclear as to the the advantages, the true advantages. But that that's really what I was reading when I, I when I was researching it. Well, that's more more for the IT guy than than maybe the end, the true end user or or the AV guy. That that's what I thought. Yeah, because it, it, it's allowing them to have more control, which they like to have, and and it's giving them the the ability to to use use their own machines and and uh, install the platform, configure it the way they want, and and uh, they they can have the solution without having to have these foreign devices on their network. Well, just just to ask you a question, then Steve, on that is if if they're going that way. Wh- do you think a lot of the IT people, because I, you know, would say I can go with Cisco instead, and I already have Cisco switches and Logitech. They're a keyboard and mouse company, and you know those little USB accessories. But but is Cisco providing a software solution rather than a hardware solution? Well, that's I, true. You know, they're not. They're they're they're. This is a a a somewhat software solution. So, but but I, I would agree with you. Yeah, maybe they're missing the boat. <laughs> maybe they're just trying to sell more of their uh, Logitech cameras. <laughs> you know, and I'm not trying to, to put that down, but, you know, think about it. If if they could come up, you know, with a good solution that's just as easy as some of these other solutions like FaceTime and Skype, That, but you buy a Logitech camera because it's the name you know, just like we were talking about with uh, – Christy having better content control. Maybe this is their their step of doing the the gated garden as well, and we just haven't realized it yet. That is true. All right, uh, real quickly, guys. Um, that's the last story I had, but I, I wanted to to, to kind of introduce something and get get your to your guys's eh, reaction to it. Uh, this week um, on the whole AV Nation uh, network thing that we've got going on. We introduced something called the Daily Rave, and and what it is, it's it's Gary Kay and and myself 
sitting down for five, ten minutes, no more than that, um, and just kind of chatting over stuff. And do you think that there is value in, you know, a a daily thing like that where, you you know, you you take five or ten minutes out of somebody's day, but hopefully you educate them and, in my world, entertain them a little bit at least? I, I would think so. I think that some people may be a little bit intimidated about having to commit to a longer half hour or an hour program, even though I personally like the longer programs. But so some people might be able to bite off five five minutes when they take a break at their desk. Yeah. And and if you have some good content or keeping them tuned in, it's it's almost like. Every, listening to the radio every day and uh, if you listen to talk radio you tune in for the short period of time you get get your stories you get your updates and and you move on but and then there's some continuity from day to day yeah that makes sense and as i say you know if it's if you can do the distribution the same way you've done uh with av nation of it's a podcast and poof it just sinks when i sync my my i my eye devices i think you know it definitely adds value because i can like steve was saying i could listen to it on the drive in whereas it's not now we're drive in so i can't listen to a whole podcast but i can listen to 5 10 minutes on the drive in and you know listen to audio stuff instead of you know the typical radio stuff yeah and that was kind of the idea is you know what you, you we get in we get out and and we get people on with their day for you know you know, like I said, five ten minutes at the, at the most. So it, it's it's something we're trying out. We hope it we hope it works out. Um, for more information on that and the other podcasts we have going on, go to ravepubs dot com uh, forward slash avnation. Ravepubs dot com forward slash avnation. We have that. We have an education show, a house of worship show, a social media show. They <laughs> just go on and on. Not all of them are me, thank goodness. So, uh, Mr. Bradford Ben, thank you so much for coming on, sir. Thank you. My pleasure as always. He is the uh, or a applications expert at Harmon. Uh, more information uh, about stuff that, that he's doing. Go to Harmon's website. And specifically, he is he is the he is a Crown Amp uh, a guy. So, uh, Steve, what is uh, he? Steve is also uh, with us. He's the president of Control Concepts. Uh, what is your guys' website? We're at uh, controlconcepts.net. Control. And I'm also twitter at steve greenblatt net that's important because some people just automatically go to com, and you're at steve greenblatt on twitter uh i'm tim albright if you'd like to follow me uh good lord why it is at t d is in david albright a l b r i g h t earlier in the show uh for the first five ten minutes we had ty pendleberry from cnet uh he is he is the senior associate editor for them he talked with us about uh, TV remotes and why they're not going away anytime soon. We'll post that article as well as the others uh, on the feed on the website. Again, go to ravepubs.com forward slash avnation, ravepubs.com forward slash avnation. Thanks for much listening. That's all the time we have for AV Week. 